Hello, Rip City. To all of you here in town and in every corner of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in. We hope you're enjoying this beautiful week of the end of January of Blazers basketball. And I cannot specify the specific day because we actually recorded multiple different times over the weekend. Our guest this week, Michael Loman, was only available Sunday afternoon, and Ty Delbridge was not available at the same time. So Ty and myself recorded Saturday morning for a good hour about a number of great topics. We talked about the psychology in basketball, what is wrong with Russ, in my opinion, versus what he's doing, uh, versus what Dame does. We talked about the language of sports betting, a number of different things, had a good hour long just ourselves before even getting to the guest. But then, after recording, I was on my way to work, and I pull into the parking lot at work, and what do I see on my phone but the Blazers have made a trade. So with that in mind, uh, with uh, the trade sending Kent Bazemore and Anthony Tolliver to Sacramento for a package centered around Trevor Ariza and the return of Caleb Swanigan, also shout out to Waylon Gabriel, the new Blazer. We'll see, uh, see how he does up here. I loved his tweet about getting Woj bombed. Anyway, the real point today is that we had a great pod recorded before the Woj bomb, before the trade news happened. And as much as I loved our topics, it seemed kind of inconsequential to have this whole pod and not come back and talk about the trade. Unfortunately, Ty and I, we both have different weekly schedules, so we could not make that happen. But this next episode, we'll do all of the half-season review that we put up on Twitter, the poll that you guys uh, answered. We'll get to that. We'll uh, talk about that. We'll talk about the trade cover all of that this next week so until then i want you to enjoy a different episode this week it is just going to be the raw interview between myself and michael loman from slc dunk he had a great piece about nba twitter and kind of the influence that certain social media giants have on the league and if they maybe should have a little more responsibility with uh with their actions with their articles but for now, let me just say again, thank you for all of your listener questions. Thank you for all the input about the halfway point of the Blazers season and what to expect going forward. We will get to all of that this weekend, as well as the trade of Kent Bazemore and Anthony Tolliver to Sacramento for Trevor Ariza, Waylon Gabriel, and Caleb Swanigan coming back to Portland. For now, please enjoy the interview with Michael Loman of SLC Dunk. He has been covering the NBA for SB Nation's SLC Dunk for the last 10 years, going from Boise and Indiana, uh, so kind of like satelliting around SLC there, but I, I love the coverage. I love the uh, the sources, and you were talking about some really nice resources out in Indiana as well, being close to Chicago and all the rest. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show Michael Lohman. Thank you for joining me. Hey, everybody. Hey, well, thank you. I'm glad to uh, be joining you today. And uh, in the PDX uh, world, I'll try to keep it as weird as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, while I'm on. You, you know how we roll up here for sure. <laughs> yeah, I come bearing potatoes, man. So. <laughs> That's perfect. Uh, well, yeah. Well, uh, just so everyone is clear, too, listeners, this is not, I'm not having uh, Michael from SLC Dunk on for any trade talks, as we have obviously had some of that going on in the last 24, 48 hours. But this is uh, something a little different. I saw an article a while ago that Michael put out, basically looking at some trends and biases across 
NBA Twitter and NBA social media and what it could mean for large and small market teams such as Salt Lake City and right up here in Portland. Uh, so, Michael, if you can kind of help me break down exactly what this was that you found, what you were looking at uh, in kind of layman's terms, and we will dive into that from there. Yeah. Um, so basically it all started, um, if you were on the Twitter world, that it kind of, that kind of blew up about a, a week and a half ago. There was a guy, uh, some uh, random user named Scotty Pippim. Shout out. P-I-P-M. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to him. And he did a lot of heavy lifting manually where he went through uh, bleachery porn, just uh, ESPN Sports Center's um, tweets and just went to see how many were of their all-stars, just all-star guys who were an all-star candidates, guys who should be in the all-star game, how many of them were getting noticed or, or just even talked about. And he had things like Rudy Gobert only got mentioned uh, twice um, by either Bleacher Report or SportsCenter. And it was because he was posterized by somebody. It wasn't necessarily, hey, check this guy out. Positive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then uh, many other players were that. And then meanwhile, uh, Anthony Davis, Alex Caruso, and um, a lot of, I would say, uh, other large market players and Carmelo Anthony had significantly. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to y'all. And that's he, <laughs> he might be the sole reason for a lot of yours beforehand. Um, a lot of you guys' mentions. but uh, And he noticed that it was really disproportional to the actual basketball coverage. And that got picked up. Ethan uh, Strauss of The Athletic even wrote a post of talking about, hey, are we focusing, is, is the NBA conversation around memes and, um, and us pushing narratives rather than the actual play on the court, um, directing the narratives and us um, allowing the story to go out? And I, I, I saw that and I'm like, man, I, that's, a, a lot of this is like, it's really interesting, but I, I, I by trade, I do a lot of uh, market analysis. And so I was like, well, is this just my bias? Is this just me being like, yeah, the man hates me. I mean, like, they, they, I know they've <laughs> always hated me. And uh, I'm going to, you know, this proves it. And so I, I wanted to just kind of set out and, and do my best to uh, just extrapolate all of the tweets from sort of the, some of the major players, just a sample size of about 10, nine or 10 of them. And how many tweets did they put out that were about Philadelphia or LA or, and, and do it by team, every single team. So for the next week I worked on that. And, uh, this last Monday I, I published it. And, um, some of the findings were, uh, three teams, LA, Atlanta, and Philadelphia over just a, a seven day sample had more tweets than um, had about 44% of all the tweets. Um, 44% out of every tweet that mentioned an NBA uh, player to their team, uh, 44% of them were just those three teams alone. So let me be clear on what you're looking at, because you mentioned in the article, you, uh, I'm going to list off all these sources real quick so people are clear yeah. on, on how far in depth mm-hmm. you went. Uh, looking at the Twitter accounts and social media accounts for ESPN, Bleacher Report, Slam Magazine, Crossover, NBA Central, No Dunks Inc. Shout out to our friends of the show, Lee Ellis and the starters over there, their new project, No Dunks. Uh, Worldwide Wob, uh, Ringer, Ball is Life, First Take, SB Nation, The Athletic, Hoops Hype, TNT, Inside Hoops, Undefeated, Hoop Central, and B-Ball Breakdown. All these sources. I, this may not be the entirety of NBA Twitter, but no. this is this is by and large a very good size sampling of the major players. Yes. And, and, and uh, yeah, go ahead. And so you were looking at these guys and seeing how much of their time collectively, how much of the time that these guys are spending uh, pushing narratives for teams, pushing hype for certain teams, how much of their time is going towards each team. And you would think that 
the you would think that with with these none of these sources being particularly tied to one market you would think the ideal goal would be that they are giving fair coverage to like you mentioned the all-stars the the high-end teams and sure there will always be narratives there will always be a 40-point game here and there but overall you would think they should be focused on the good basketball and what you are finding is very much not that you said what are those three teams you said the lakers lakers the hawks and the sixers lakers hawks and sixers are getting I remember in the article, I think it was about a third, but you're saying it's more like 44% yeah, of the new it, data. Is yeah. Um, what was interesting is uh, when I was writing the actual commentary to it, the number kept changing. <laughs> and so, <laughs> kept climbing up? And, and so like, and so, um, it, so they'd either climb up or they would climb down. Um, but they, for the most part, those three teams dominated it and they still are uh, dominating it uh, even just like uh, to the most recent one, if you were going to look at those, those three today, um, like, uh, let's go to the aggregate. Yeah. Um, it's still Atlanta, um, with almost 2,300 tweets, uh, LA with, um, almost 2,600 and Philadelphia with almost 3000. And that's just from January 4th. The next closest after those three teams is Memphis. And they're at um, about 1,300. And, and, you know, this is definitely one of these pods where I wish we had been on YouTube by now. This would be a really good one to have some <laughs> graphics up for the visuals. But looking at your article right now, and I'm seeing that you've got it updated uh, as, as of January 17th on the, at the bottom of these graphs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and quick side note as well. At the top of your article, if anyone goes and finds this, I have linked it, uh, linked it on Twitter as well. You can find it on the Trailcasters and my page by the time this is posted up. But uh, you have a little... Uh, a note at the top saying that the charts have all been updated on the 17th. Due to the large influx of traffic, the auto-updating feature on the graphs and tables had to be turned off. Right. I, I just love, uh, I think that's a real sign of like how much data is coming in here, how much uh, how many numbers you are crunching. But it does kind of show, if, if people could see these graphs, I'll try and describe this. Like you said, those top three teams, Philly, LA, Lakers, and Atlanta, far and away, they are double what the next closest teams are, which would be memphis new orleans and detroit and everyone else below that for the most part utah's up there too somewhat but for the most part the rest of the teams have uh, they're you know even even below that so overall the average team in here is getting probably less than what would you say 10 percent of what philly is as far as coverage on uh on social media yeah it's a it's a significant significant range and uh so that was like one of those like oh Dang, and, and we have our own uh, at our site with all the writers. We have our own Slack channel, and so I remember the first time I finally started seeing like the actual numbers come in, and we'd I'd set it up. It was aggregating correctly. That was a day in of itself that it just worked because it was a lot of like oh, it broke again. I had to reset it, so it came in, and I was <laughs> like, I was like, oh wow, wow, like it's not like what what I was kind of curious was. In my head, what I thought I would find was there was pretty uh, like I expected the, the large markets to have more m- more mentions, but not a lot. Yeah, more. you thought and I like maybe week to week, there'd be some variants and like it wouldn't always be filling Atlanta. Sure, L.A. would be a big market, but maybe you'd see some of these other teams pop up. Boston might have a big week or something like that. Right. Right. Yeah. And I expected to see retweets for large market teams significantly higher. That's what I expect to see. Retweets sure. and likes. Yeah. Because they have a bigger aggregate base and it'll just explode. And um, what's n- crazy is those three teams just before you even get to the engagement rates of those three teams. They're just far and away higher. And 
and and when I uh, in my in my day job doing like market research and a lot of companies when they're doing the regular marketing, um, this is always a conversation that we bring up with them when we're talking social media. You're talking about the engagement. Numbers. Yeah, the engagement numbers okay. because a lot of the times, uh, and, and this is true with Twitter. This is true with Facebook. This is true with Instagram. When you're trying to explain why you a business is on social media, sometimes that's a very, very vague topic. And you're trying to explain mm. it to somebody who is wanting to know, what's my return on my investment? How much money am I making because I'm on here? Right. How much is it really worth for them to be on social media? Was it What, what dollar figure is it yeah. earning the company? And so there is always a social media manager who is out there trying to find anything that can be tabulated as a metric to prove that they should sure. not be fired and why they deserve to still have a job. <laughs> why their work is important. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, yeah, why, why are, like, basically, like, at the end of the day, every single one of these people have to go back and be like, yeah, this is why you should still employ me next year. And <laughs> why, this is why I, I am not a complete waste of your money. And um, engagement rates, likes, are, the, are usually, like, a really great way, and reach and impressions – those are all things where they can go back and be like, look how many people saw our tweet. Look how many people retweeted it. Re- look at how many people liked. And, and and so if you are running like Bleacher Report, sometimes it's going to be really easy to be like, oh, man, that Laker one hit. People were getting mad about it. They're commenting on it. It went this far. Like 3 million people saw it. And they're like, boom, nailed it. Awesome tweet. It went yeah. viral. I, I, I got this many likes. I got this many retweets. So obviously I'm doing a successful I, job uh, for the team. I'm engaging your, your audience is what is what they're trying to sell to the to the team. Yes. And, and then they might even be looking at my follower count went up. Our follower count right, went up by right. this. And um, and 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 one of the things that uh, the question that I, I posit with this in my article is, is that actually uh, really undermining um, what the NBA is really wanting to do, because what, a big thing when you talk about tweets, and especially these, these aren't promoted. They, they didn't have to pay for somebody else to see them. The, this, these weren't ads. These were organic, free. Right. They don't. They, they don't cost anything other than a, whatever. How much you're paying the guy to click clack at a keyboard and press send. Like that's it. Your your point is that these these big uh, these big markets, the, uh, things like the Ringer, things like uh, ESPN, they are by by promoting these individual teams specifically, and by promoting these teams so much more than other other teams, they're not being paid to do that. It just seems to be a trend that they are following. And I, I, I guess the question would be, obviously, you and I, I think, have a bit of a nerdy edge on this, and I think both of us enjoy these numbers. Exactly. More so, than so some why fans does it do. matter? Why <laughs> does this matter? Why does it matter to most fans? Why why would the average fan in Portland or in Utah or in let's say Orlando, yeah. so in some other small yeah. market, t- or, or even the large market. Why would they care? Yeah, or even the large yeah. markets. Yeah. So, say if you're a big market team, you might be like this, like uh, like your first reaction to seeing this might be like, uh, like what most of the responses from large market fans were from from the tweet that sent this out was cry more, um, like cry <laughs> about it. But here's a problem: if your Lakers team goes and plays, say. I don't know, uh, the magic in the NBA the magic. Yeah. Sure. In, in the NBA finals and, um, nobody watches it. That's a problem for, for your team. Yeah. And even if you're half, even if the Lakers get in all this engagement, if, 
Orlando fans are hopping online and feeling all the articles they see from The Ringer, all the posts they see from SB Nation are slanted towards L.A., not slanted with any sort of like... If, if there's nothing for an Orlando fan to feel good about reading, then that's a whole fan base not being engaged. Exactly. That's a whole fan base. And what we're talking about here is the NBA was one of the first leagues to really embrace social media and it grew their game it grew their game in china it grew their game in europe it grew like it and and it brought a lot of people into the fold because there was almost this equity by it um now they're they're facing the same thing that we see with a lot of uh, you can see it in politics it doesn't matter which way you swing um it can uh, it can be these very extreme points uh can be really grasped on by the biggest vocal minority and it can override bigger things so that in politics, you're not talking about what's really going on in Washington. You may be talking about, right. you know, like punditry and, you know, who, who, who had the yeah. biggest slams, which is what, what the NBA and like the show, the jump has turned into. I mean, this, the week, the, ah, the, great the, point. the, the week that, um, I did this, it there was a, there was like a dueling thing between KD and Ken, Kendrick Perkins. KD is not playing right. this year. Kendrick Perkins is not even in the league. He's just a pundit. <laughs> and the biggest story that was covered for five days straight was a beef between two things that don't matter to the court. And this silly false narrative that had nothing to do with basketball going on. And yeah, you're making a great point that the jump specifically, uh, I love that show. I gotta be honest. I yeah. love Rachel Nichols, the work that she's done in the past. She continually has on Zach Lowe. Uh, um, uh, and then suddenly of course I'm blanking on other great. Uh, guests um, they, they have, have a mean, they, they have had a mean who actually retweeted my Amin article. Halson. And he was like, are we, and he said, are we allowing the games to set the narrative or are we, or are, are we di- dictating the wrong narrative and swallowing, swallowing yes. in its process in, by our punditry, are we letting our the wave of our punditry kill the game? And that's what. And that's exactly the point here: is that it should be about basketball. And because of this, almost you know, essentially what a lot of people are going to call the uh, the, lar- the 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 mass media machine or mm-hmm. the the um, the mainstream media machine, there's this need for content at all times, and so they're almost having to kind of. I mean, I'm not even saying there couldn't be content out there. I think there are with 30 teams, there's plenty of content that could be created that is legitimate and substantial. But what you are having is some of these major outlets turning towards easy to manufacture bits, stuff that's maybe a little more formulaic and narratives that they can kind of control or drive on their own where they don't need to worry about the basketball as much. And what kind of harm this could do to the league in in the long term, I think, is... uh, uh, I think something that should be looked at now before it turns into something serious because we do have 30 teams. Mm-hmm. And if only three of these are really getting coverage, you are going to have markets. If not already, you're going to have markets that are suffering as far as their fan base, the engagement. Uh, there's there's always going to be a difference in for each franchise as far as the numbers of fans that are watching on TV at home, streaming at home, versus coming to the games live, actually getting there. Uh, and the dollar amounts is going to vary for that. I think. Right. I don't think it's any. Uh, I don't think it's any hard argument to make that franchises want people in the building, not just uh, not just sitting at home. And you can't have people in the building if less and less fans in Detroit or uh, New Orleans or Orlando are getting or feeling like their team is second rate. If they don't feel like their team has a chance, they're just not going to be there to yeah, watch. Yeah, and and uh, to your point, I think w- what it does and what it can harm is parity. And w- a lot of times when people say when yes. people say parity, they're like, we want a league where anybody can feel like they're going to win. And that's one so- semblance of parity. The other parity is parity of popularity. Um, for example, there are going to be millions like- of people who watch the Super Bowl in in the next in two weeks from now and 
they will not know a day before the Super Bowl happens much about either team. They will, and and what I mean by much is they're not going to be fans of them, but they're going to watch. Right. You don't have, yeah. There's going to be lots of people watching that are not hardcore Kansas City Chiefs fans or Niners or Green Bay fans, whichever team makes it into into face. No, you know, obviously by the time anyone listens to this podcast, the results will be out there. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm not a fan of of football in general. I, I follow basketball much closer, but like you said, year after year, if I have there's a culture around it. There's a gathering for these big events, for these big games. And you don't have to be a fan of that team. You you are going to be there watching. Exactly. And so what that does is it it means that, uh, and that whenever there's a big thing, there's going to be a lot of people watching. And they're going to be NFL fans, but they're not, they're not Chiefs fans. Right. They're not Niners fans. But coincidentally they will know a lot of the players who are on those teams they'll ha- they'll know uh, they'll they'll know that hey Jimmy G's on on the 49ers uh they got ah. they got Sherman on there um they're lifting both what the NFL does is they lift uh stars on both sides of the ball so that you're engaged whether you have a defensively strong team or an offensively strong team ah, they, okay. they 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 lift guys who are both in small markets and in large markets, the L.A. Rams, for example, don't get more pub than, say, the Carolina Panthers. They get equal uh, equal share on a lot of things when they're when they're trying to promote or move things. And and likewise, fantasy football is a really bigger deal with them because a it's a shorter season. That's a completely different different topic. But also, <laughs> yeah, it's a whole yeah, nother. But also people know <laughs> people know a lot of these guys and, and they're and they're tied to them in a, in a certain way. And we say all the time that the NBA is a star-driven league, but in actuality, it's really a star-driven league when they become stars in larger markets for for a, no, a that's, majority of the time. And that, yeah, you could look at something like Anthony Davis being in New Orleans. I'd be very curious. Uh, I, I'm sure. I doubt you've gone. I doubt you've had the time to go back retroactively uh, to last season. But I'd be so curious to see what kind of coverage Anthony Davis was getting in New Orleans as a star, as a superstar, mm-hmm. even known then compared to what he's getting now in LA. Yeah. And I, obviously the, yeah, it's, 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 obviously it's there's going to be a difference different. just because it's LA. Yeah. But uh, it's, there is, there's a real curiosity here as far as small markets. Portland has had a, a long issue, a long reputation for not really being a free agent destination. We have, if we want to get someone in here for the most part, we have to rely on trades as the, as the, the mechanism to make it happen. A lot of that could be affected by this kind of the the general perception by by the national market. And when you start to see trends like this, it, it seems a little bit concerning that some of these things uh, aren't necessarily as uh, as as just set in their way. And, and it's it's almost a manufactured thing. And I'm not trying to say that there's some sort of conspiracy against no. Portland or other small market teams, but it's like we were saying earlier, it's the tendency for these large uh, media engines to want the easy, quick, reliable fuel. They're looking for the, a story or a narrative or, or a source that they can get to easy and not have to worry too much about, well, did this team suddenly lose three games in a row and now we don't have as much to talk about? They're looking for uh, like the, the easy beef, the beef between Perkins and KD. That's something they can go to that's not reliant on the basketball on the court and it's something they can, uh, they can get clicks out of. But yeah, that, I feel like that is kind of possibly doing a disservice to a lot of the teams out there. Yeah, and, and I think... Um, and. 
and a lot of this thing, like uh, one of the very first things that we, we were getting were, was we were like, oh, the jazz fans are just mad they're not being mentioned more. And it was like, no, this it's not <laughs> about that. We we know we're not going to get mentioned a lot. We know, like it, it, we're the same way as Portland. We have we feel like the reputation is not a lot of uh, big free agents come here. The fact that Boyan Bogdanovich signed in Utah, like we there were plenty of articles of being like is this the biggest signing ever in Utah and we're and the, <laughs> and our only thing that we can compare it to is Carlos Boozer. They're like is this as big as the wow. Carlos Boozer one and then end of sample <laughs> size. That's it. And, and so and so I I think but what I what I do feel is a disservice is social media is a free um a, a free publicity engine. And if yes. you as the MBA and your partners aren't doing it to build every single market and grow them, you're doing yourself a big disservice in being able to grow the game. Your LA Laker guys are always going to be engaged. They're, They're already always- engaged. Yeah, they don't need the extra, the, the push from these all these engines. They don't need uh, people to be writing stories about the LA, uh, about LeBron and about AD because they're already going to be reading. They're going to be consuming everything they can about them. Yeah. It, it, for me, it's like a tax break for, for like the 1% where you're just like, they're already rich. <laughs> yes. That's a great point. You know, it's like, well, it's why like, did they like need this? The, uh, they, they did not need any more. They, like, they had plenty. They get to like, they have millions of fans driving the conversation on Twitter as it is. Like they don't we need were joking any the help. other week about we were joking the other week about how even in arenas, you know, they give away the, all the prizes. They have the T-shirt cannons and all this kind of stuff and barely do the do the T-shirt cannons even reach the 300 level. It's like, dudes, you, the people down in the 100 and 200, they don't care about a free T-shirt. It's the people no. up in the 300 that will wear that shirt for years, you know, no, like, they're going to go. Yeah, to. they're going to go in there and like give it to an intern and be like, yeah, give it to your kids yeah. or something <laughs> like that. Like they, they don't care. They don't care about that stuff. Um, I, and so. I think with well, what, when you're talking about this coverage, what think about the yeah. difference it could be if, and I'm not saying like it's got to be equal time, it's got to be equal this. What we're right. what we're talking about is it, it's a shame that the that the largest the the largest uh, Twitter accounts, um, and are not pushing the same teams kind of in a, a, a close order to the playoff teams, for example. Yeah, where it's like yeah. Well, like these teams, you, you know what these should be all the teams that you're talking about right now or or um, or teams that are uh, like it makes me happy that the Memphis Grizzlies are rising up like they, they just they they just grew in the last week because Jaw and Jaron are doing great. But likewise, um, there have been other teams like Utah. It, we dropped this when they had just won their ninth game. And right. what was yeah. funny was. Um, they had they had less tweets about them than your uh, Portland Trailblazers. People people <laughs> people compl- complain and and then uh, there were some people who were like, "Oh, Jazz fans just want to be noticed." And we had Je Skeets like joking around. He's like, "Does this make me an influencer if I'm tweeting about the Utah Jazz?" Matt Moore <laughs> of uh, of Hardwood Paroxysm was like, "Jazz, Jazz," and kept on listing Jazz in different ways to see like if something would pop up or pop down, Someone, like click up, like trying to test the <laughs> chest, uh, test what was popping. And, um, and what was, what was interesting about this was, uh, in just that next week, uh, Bleacher Report, Sports Center, B-Ball Breakdown, um, uh, all these, these different ones, all of a sudden Utah went from being in their bottom five tweeted teams to their top five in like a week's time, <laughs> See? a week's time. So, 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 so you might've been mad. Like, it, like, here's the thing. If, if, the, 
if, if you weren't wrong, you wouldn't have done anything. That's like, and that's uh-huh. what my wife says. Um, so I, it's, that must be true. Like if, if you, if, 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 if it wasn't wrong, you wouldn't have changed. So I, I think, um, I, I think what, what this brought though, and what, what I was disappointed with was there wasn't, we didn't see rises in say the teams that are fighting for the eighth seed. We didn't see a rise uh-huh. in like the Denver Nuggets have the second, uh, no, have the third least amount of tweets about them. Wow. The, see, that's crazy. One, so the, the, the team that no one talks about, and kind of rightfully so, Charlotte Hornets, nothing is really going on there. I can, co- to, okay, I can totally <laughs> agree with that. If that was my team, I'd be like, yeah, we don't, don't talk about us right now. We're like nine and nine, <laughs> like not, we, we got 10 wins. I get it. But then you look at like Indiana. Indiana has a lot going on. Denver has a lot going on right now. And the fact that those teams are not getting talked about, there are narratives there that shouldn't be that far of a reach for these outlets. You would think it's not. I mean, honestly, that's what it reads as to me. It seems like these guys, I know I've mentioned it twice already, the idea that they're just kind of going for the low-hanging fruit, just grabbing what's easy pickings for content. But it really does seem to me like they're just not working hard enough. They're just not, they don't care. It's it's easier to, to follow the highlight uh, and the highlight reels than it is to, like you said, follow what teams are fighting for that eighth seed. Like, where's that kind of seven, eight, nine, ten bracket? Like, who's looking like it's on top? Right. Looking at Denver, where they had all sorts of expectations last year. Why have they fallen short? Why did Jokic come back so out of shape and no one is talking about? Yeah, it? that that should have been <laughs> like. Can you imagine if that was an LA story? Like, oh, like for oh two God. straight months, they would have been like, it, it would have been about thick Jokic. Like it would, it would, it would, it would have been like nothing. It, it, they would have brought on like they would have had every big guy who had, who had played big. They would have had Shaq on there. They would have had Charles yeah, Barkley on about, like on the yeah. jump on a regular rotation, being like, "What did you guys do to get in shape?" They would have brought in Carl Malone to be like, "Yeah, I didn't lift all season just to do you know come to shape." Would have been it would have been a huge story, but instead it was like a meme for a day and then it was gone. Let me ask you. Do you see this getting better or worse? Uh, like, if, if is is this a problem that is going to get? I, I mean, I guess you already kind of answered this. You you addressed that even since this article has come out that you've posted and have since been updating. You've seen some of these outlets start to kind of maybe post a little more balanced stuff, trying to get a little yeah. more away from those top three. Or do you think this is more going to be something where we're only going to? It's uh, like yeah. Which which way is this going in your eyes? I think. It's it's I think it's going to get better, but not overnight. I think there was like a one week blip where they're probably like we just get them off our back and then we call it a day. Um, right. <laughs> it's like when the refs focus on traveling for yeah the first exactly week of yeah the game yeah exactly. I, I just think this is my makeup call. Like this is just like yeah we missed it <laughs> we missed it you know. And then on the other end they're like they you know they they call like the the carry you know like guy gets held for the carry yeah like, yeah exactly. And no one calls the carry so. I, I think it might be that uh, you said it, it's, it, you know, this is the easier thing. And with social media strategies, I think um, to get back to like when, when, when I talk to, to, when I consult on like what, what, how you're marketing, a lot of times it has to, you need to take a step back. And um, cause I've been, I've been in the social media um, marketer position or things like that before. And it's easy just to be like, okay, what's trending? What's going this? Let's just catch on and try to ride a wave and get and get on it. But um, it has to be as an intentional as if I'm going to buy money for a billboard and and market my team. It has to be as intentional 
as if I take out an ad in a newspaper. Everything about it has to be intentional. So what it requires, if there is going to be change, is A, the MBA needs to see that um, Twitter is a big community, but it also is an unruly one. And and, mm. and so um, you don't want, Trolls. yeah, you like you, uh, you don't want your, uh, for example, I don't expect like Bleacher Report to to change their coverage over the top sixteen teams. But what I do expect is over the in the next year, I would hope to expect to see the NBA's own social media team kind of change what they're doing. I'd hope to see that the uh, that ESPN NBA and their broadcast partners change how they how they work things because at the end of the day their primary goal should be to raise the profile of all 30 teams because if they do to grow the league to grow the league that at the end of the day we have a broadcasting agreement with these people to allow our game to be seen and not just three teams to be seen it ain't the 80s anymore we're not trying to save the (laughs) nba anymore the nba makes a good amount of money now let's try to grow the pot because if you focus too much on these LA teams and, and get stuck, get stuck chasing engagements because you think you're doing larger numbers, all those large numbers and what we're seeing are the large numbers, all those are coming just for LA. And, and so now all of a sudden, if you are a national, say, say you say you are a, you cover the, the entire NBA. If I'm a national writer, I'm like, I cover the entire NBA. Well, I, I got data that says, you might you might write about the entire NBA, but you only talk about LA. You only talk about Philly, and so that's not a national writer. That's a beat writer. So do you want to be a national yeah. writer? Because because uh, I I mean my 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 gig is focusing on one team, and my tweets and my articles deserve to be lopsided. But at the end of the day, if you're a national writer, you're a national out- outlet, and you're not writing about thirty teams or even the best 16 teams who are going to be playoff teams. You, you have more of a responsibility yeah, yeah. to cover some of these. Is it like, it's, I, I, I'm sorry, yeah, I don't go, mean go to be cutting you off there. I'm just, you're, you're inspiring me, my friend. <laughs> but yeah, just, uh, yeah, it's, if I, these writers, like you said, if it's one thing to be associated with a team and you have, your objective is to cover them in a certain light. If you are a national writer, you are doing a disservice to just cover certain teams and to discard the rest. You're, you're, you're in a position where, you're you're in a position where you have the ability to help grow the the league as a whole, and especially to help grow these fan bases that maybe can't do it as well on their own. And uh, the the engagement numbers too. I know that twice you've mentioned the engagement stuff, and I think we kind of I got off on a tangent both times about it. But that part as well. You know, we might even just have to yeah, no, <laughs> come back for have you on another episode at some <laughs> point uh, for uh, to really go into the details on the engagement numbers for it. But I think there's something really interesting there that you mentioned as far as what teams, what franchises think uh is uh i i guess the sign that that the that the the job has been done that they are reaching the audience isn't necessarily the best metrics for actually in getting fans engaged with them to actually have i think uh the easiest way to put this would, would be the idea of like if you see a commercial uh do you remember the jingle do you remember kind of the silly little bit uh, or do you actually remember the brand name and are going to go buy that next time you need toilet paper or something like that? Exactly. Uh, obviously, that's not an NBA example, but I think that's kind of what we're talking about with the engagement numbers. Is this something where are fans just clicking like or retweet or are they actually coming back to look at your website, to look at the uh, the team site and to look at the players and get engaged as, as fans and grow? You know, maybe someone that will buy a jersey down the line. They're not going to do that if it's, if it's just a uh, a hollow 
click, I guess, or hollow engagement. Yeah. And, and, and we, and this has real effects. Um, for example, a lot of fans, and this is speaking of the Utah market, a lot of fans only see Rudy Gobert when he's getting posterized. And the reason it's a big deal if he gets right. posterized is he's a defensive player of the year. And so what will happen is, uh, uh, like, for example, a lot of fans will like to say, well, Rudy Gobert doesn't guard the perimeter that well. And it's always the same clip of Steph Curry, like, really putting a number on <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, I know exactly which one you're talking about. And, yeah. and See, it's bad that I know which yeah, exactly. you're talking so, about. Yeah, it, it's that, almost exactly become a meme. Mean. And so what's funny is yeah. anytime we put when we're when we say like, you know, Rudy Gobert deserves to be on the all defensive team, we always joke, we're like, here comes that stupid video eight times in the comments. Right. <laughs> and and it, sure enough it is. And the reason for that is that was pushed by a lot of big brands. And in their head, what they're thinking is everybody knows Rudy Gobert is an insane defensive player. So this is even better for Steph Curry. But they haven't been telling the story that Rudy Gobert is a great defensive player all year long. And these outlets are almost assuming that the general audience has done research and knows, Oh yeah, Rudy Gobert is amazing. When in reality, these audiences think of Rudy Gobert, what these outlets are telling them about Rudy Gobert. Exactly. Because that might be, they're like, this is the first time I've seen this stiff from Utah and man, he can't guard anybody on the (laughs) perimeter. Like he, I guess he's a defensive player of the year, but he can't step out there. And, and, and so those are, and that's just like a small anecdotal thing of, of, of a larger picture of our, one thing I've started noticing this year and it's, and, and, uh, and, and this is just with our side alone, we'll see that something's becoming a big topic on jazz Twitter, so to speak of this player needs to be traded, this and this. And we end up writing a, a post about it. And then we read in the comments of our community, they're like, why does anybody care about this? This might be big on on Twitter, but this no one's saying this. Why does this matter? Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, I got trapped by the by the machine, like by tra- yeah, trapped by the narrative. You got sucked and, in. And, and I think that's a very easy thing to do because uh, when yeah. you're on Twitter, um, and and this is just a self disclosure. I'm a Democrat. I help out in in Idaho on on certain things, and it's easy to when you see on Twitter like what's going on nationally and what's going on, and you get wrapped up in that. And then you'll go to your local, your, uh, where you volunteer locally. And the biggest deal that's going on is like, Hey, they're building this big development in this little, little community. And a lot of people just feel like they just need to have a better place to live in. And there's going to be a noise ordinance. That's the biggest story. That's the biggest story in our community, but it's easy to get wrapped up in these larger things that don't matter that are just like, who said this to so-and-so and don't, don't have anything to play on that. And I think that's what's going on. A in just even our regular team sites, whether or beat writing sites, I think it's going on in a national conversation as well. Of we're missing a lot, and we live in a time where there's so much good writing and podcasts and other things that are out there, and 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 we have a chance to tell stories that nobody else gets to tell. And I think if you're a national writer, you get a chance to bring to a national audience something about Minnesota that no one's talking about. Not, not as Carl Anthony Towns going to get traded this week, which has been, I swear anytime a big star gets traded, it always kills me. They're like, who's the next big guy to leave their market? Like no one, no, 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 no. You don't see that with with the NFL. You don't see that with anybody else. It's like a TV show. 
It reminds me of like, you know, where a TV episode always has to end on a twist or always kind of end on a cliffhanger. Yeah. They got to be like, oh, what's coming next? I feel like that's almost it's the same kind of idea where they the media has this idea about oh, we've got to we've got to leave. We've got to like leave the audience just waiting for that next bite when when one player gets traded. Oh, who's gonna get the who's gonna be the next piece that gets moved? And it does. It it eventually becomes this false narrative that is almost driving itself. And you know, I, you know what I love is that we've tied this in from everything to grocery store shopping or like the toilet paper, like I mentioned. You met then you you mentioned national politics, and this is on every mm-hmm. level. Like we like you see you said on the national politics, we don't see them talking about always the real issues we see the silly little tiff going on between bernie sanders and elizabeth warren on the local level even we don't really hear about a lot of local politics but you might hear about the big republican mayor versus the democratic mayor and then like you said down the road from the place there could be some sort of noise ordinance or construction where that might be a local vote and it's not getting publicized to a lot of people who could probably actually care about it and and have something to say about it so not only is it happening on all around us in the cities and uh, in in our government and in our grocery stores, but it's happening right here in in the NBA, and I think it's uh, something people should be more aware about. Yeah, and and and, uh, and to this degree, you've seen um, there's backlash against, uh, about this. Like you see, the Players Tribune was started as a way of getting stories about them out there because no one's right, ta- talking right. about it. But one of the best stories um, with the Utah Jazz last year was something that was not covered by any person, um, but was written by Joe Ingalls himself in the Australian uh, version of the Players' Tribune about his his son who had autism. And um, and they disclosed really? it. And it was this beautiful thing. And it was just like, this is a story. And, it, and, and what they're doing and how they had to go through it and what it was like to just be an NBA player who um, – because they, they had a set of twins. Um, and the boy, uh, their, their, their boy Jacob, wow. had, had autism. And what it was like trying to uh, – trying to take care of your son and, and you needing to be there because developmentally you need to be there as a father yeah, all the yeah. time and being a father who cannot be there all the time. And, and them also being in the United States while they're trying to deal with this. And so uh, being, and, and so it was all these, and, See, and that's, that's, this, this is an incredible story that I've never heard anything about before. And this is even something that, like me personally, I would be engaged with, uh, for, for just things that I have interest on outside of basketball. That it's, that's extremely interesting to me. But like you said, uh, th- this is central to the issue we are talking about right now, Michael, is that that story does not get out beyond the it, local fan base that, that yeah. could reach it. And it might not even be very well dispersed among that local base, but certainly not on a national level. And it really could be, it would help drive, Far more interest, I think, uh, in my opinion, than another story. Yeah, about yeah, because imagine something. imagine it being flipped on its head versus it's the drama piece where that story comes out and then all of a sudden national writers are like, no, we, we need to do, let's let's focus on this. Uh, like if I, if I was a national writer or even a beat writer, I'd be like, who on my team has had something that's similar where they fought, you know, we're dealing with a family problem at home. How did that affect them? Yeah. And all of a sudden that, that's, that's the way the, you know, the basketball narrative went or... Or it doesn't even have to be like an off the court thing. It has to be like this team beat beat so and so by this. What? How many times has uh, my local team? Uh, what? How have they? How many times have they won in a similar manner? And then all of a sudden, the the National Basketball Association is being driven because that's how the NFL works. The NFL, when there's like somebody gets beat by you know a touchdown right at the end, it all of a sudden it's just like oh my gosh. And here's here's the best here's the best come back from behind of this season and they're not saying like they're not doing you know here's all the ones from la they're saying yeah this is when st louis came back from this this is when the jacksonville jaguars overcame this like 
more people in the NFL know about Jack, uh, like miss you. <laughs> like the dude who looks like uncle Rico, <laughs> who it plays in Jacksonville, <laughs> Jacksonville about someone outside their yeah, team is your point. And, yeah. And, more and more so, NFL fans yeah, are going to know about a star outside and, their team. And so there's this breadth of things that are going on that are being missed because it doesn't drive, say the celebrity needle or something else. And every, and mm. everyone is, is, is grappling with this. Every, every media, uh, whether it's media, politics, local, um, it, random things like it, how do you, how do you balance that? And I think the NBA is at that point now where it can, it, it, it can undercut their growth as a game. And when we, and as the NBA grows into the next chapter, like in two years, they're going to be renegotiating, um, how they want to broadcast w- w- with, uh, right. with TV rights. How, how is that going to be done digitally? How are we going to record that? How are we going to make sure it's equitable? Because all of a sudden... And are they even looking at the right metrics? Yeah, because like uh, it used to be like the it was Sports Center, TNT and all of that. Like those were the big players. Well, right. what happens when no one has a subscription to these things? How are we, how are we yeah. making sure the best teams are featured? And how do we make sure that people recognize that this is premier? And, and how do you and, make sure that other teams aren't getting lost? Yeah, I, I yeah. make sure like they, there needs to be some level of parity to return as well. The same way you mentioned the NFL has not just parity on on uh, on the actual field, but just in in kind of the coverage itself and the idea of like, hey, here's the the idea of knowing more about stars on an East Coast team. I think is something very foreign to a lot of NBA fans. We might know names, but outside of a few clips that I see of. Uh, you know, John Wall or Bradley Beal or something like that. I don't know all the details about what's going on over there because it's just not covered on the same level. Yeah. I, I think, um, one of the, uh, um, biggest things is if you have, if you talked about Portland, not getting free agents and, mm. um, the reason why they don't get free agents is they know if they go to Portland, their, uh, total value of attention is going to be significantly less. Yeah. And case like in point, gonna... Alex Caruso, has more pub. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for bringing this dude that, back up. That, He's a perfect than, example. Uh, than anybody else. And there's a reason for it. And and the reason people, uh, te- uh, players like Anthony Davis and others leave their sm- leave these smaller markets or even large markets that don't get a lot of attention to other ones like Kawhi leaving Toronto is they there's more money there. There's more growth potential there. And so that's a the only way that changes it, it, we know now it doesn't matter how well run your organization is if a, it, and it doesn't matter how, uh, <laughs> um, the other, other scenarios, it just matters how many eyeballs are on that team. And so for the NBA, cause I know Adam Silver talks about this a lot. He wants stars to stay. Well, the only way you're going to get stars to stay is if you make sure these other teams yeah. aren't seen like little brothers and the other, you have exactly. to change the perception. All te- teams need coverage. All, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. You, you achieve parity by giving parity from from the coverage and a lot of that. I, yeah, I think that's a great point. And actually, honestly, man, I, let's let's cut it there. As far uh, that, that's a great point to end on because I uh, I, I don't want to keep you. You've already <laughs> you've already let me keep you for forty five minutes, man. I really appreciate this, sir. Oh, that's no uh, problem. The Niners game doesn't start like it start says it starts <laughs> at six. I know I don't kick off not for another like ten minutes. Like, you're still recording, right? I didn't have you. You didn't yep. cut it off on me. Okay, cool. Just me. I was worried that suddenly when I say let's cut it there, that you might have cut. Uh, but yeah, man, the, 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 <laughs> there's still a little time left for the game. Uh, thank you, Michael Oman. I really appreciate no it, man. I'm gonna have to get you back on as this stuff gets updated, and maybe we can get you back uh, for kind of a, a future tie-in when we see what these outlets have adjusted, what kind of their new coverage is. Yeah, and, maybe and we can, uh, 
And if you guys are going to run some (laughs) trade rumors about wanting George Niang, I am your guy for for all for all George Niang trade coverage because I think he's basically the only guy who's now eligible to be traded left. (laughs) (laughs) Well, awesome, Uh, Michael. If if listeners wanted to reach out to you on social media to get to you about some of this data, what is the best way to reach out to you? I just uh, reach out to me at at uh, my m y underscore l o Milo. So. At Milo. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. Michael Lohman of SLC Dunk. Really appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Thank you again to Michael Lohman of SLC Dunk. Really appreciate his conversation with that. We obviously went off on a number of tangents, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not maybe the conversation for everybody. So good fit here in this week when things kind of had a, a big transition around the Blazers. We can take a brief break from all the norm. That's all the stuff that has been covered on all the other podcasts that I'm sure you guys are listening to. Come here for something a little different. No one needs our our first impression only hours after or a few days after the trade has gone down. But we will be back this next weekend to discuss that, have some in-depth analysis, some sports betting as always, some uh, uh, prop bets that Ty and I will set up and maybe get a little more into as well. And as always, we will go over your listener questions. So please, if you have not yet, feel free to reach out to us at Trailcasters on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Send us those fancy dancing emails at trailcasters at gmail.com. You can also reach out to me at Rip City Keith or Ty at Ty Delbridge. Also check out at TD Sports Cards and the new podcast that Ty is getting going on, uh, specifically sports gambling. If you are finding our pod on any of the podcatchers like iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, anything that will take ratings, please. We always love those five stars. Obviously, I'm not yelling that tonight, but appreciate it just the same. And these beats you can find from Odar on soundcloud at soundcloud.com slash odar beats please always support your local beat makers as well as our sponsor clearly speaking and brenda nuckton over at clearly speaking she can help you with all of your speech and hearing needs go and check them out today at clearly speaking in closing your honorable listeners that's it that's our show thank you to ty as always even when i cut out the awesome recording that we had thank you to odar for these fat beats thank you to our sponsor clearly speaking and thank you to michael loman of slc dunk for the awesome conversation and of course thank you listeners for a great listening we hope you enjoy your blazers your rip city basketball and our latest episode thank you again and please come back this weekend for the next edition of the trailcasters